I want to tell you what's going on December 11th. He didn't announce that. It would be strangely self-serving for him to say everything going on December 11th because as part of that day, we're going to have a luncheon to say goodbye to Pastor Mike and Heather and their kids as they move on to the next place of ministry God's called them to. But it's a big day overall. Remember the morning of the 11th, our celebration choir will be bringing their music in worship. Then we'll have that that lunch afterward, a potluck, so bring your favorite dessert or side dish and uh, bring one that you don't even like if you want to do that and, and share it with other people. Then that night be back, uh, we have Christmas in Song. It's a wonderful evening of worship, all songs, all Christmas songs. We have some special guests this year, so remember to be back at 6 o'clock on Sunday night, the 11th. Lots going on in this season. Pay close attention to everything, get involved, and celebrate with gratitude what God has done for us. Thanksgiving is this week. I like Thanksgiving, do you? I like, not just because we get to eat ourselves into a slumber, but because it's an opportunity to thank the Lord, give gratitude to him for what he's done. If, you, if you're like my family, Kim's family, it, uh, we get together for the blessing, a lot of times we'll circle up and each person say something they are thankful for. Do you guys do that? Uh, isn't that a blessing to do that? What a wonderful reminder uh, how God is at work, what he's done, what he's blessed us with through the year. I, I enjoy that so much. It's very similar to what Miss Jane does. The first Sunday of every month, she has the kids line up and give thanks to the Lord, uh, praising God for what he has done for us. The Bible teaches us to do that. But sometimes what we forget is the reason we do that is because of who he is. We have to be careful not to let our gratitude drift into simply being about what God has given us or the stuff we have or the good things in life. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It's about who God is and it's because of who he is and what he's done for us in Christ that we praise him and we thank him and give gratitude for the way we experience his blessings in our lives. We always want to Remember that. In other words, we need a fresh perspective. We always need to remember who God is when we talk about thanksgiving and gratitude. And right now in our culture, that might be a little bit difficult. Thanksgiving following an election time. Wow. Sometimes it's hard to be grateful, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard. We look at our country in chaos right now. Uh, we look at our world in chaos. It seems like every government, every kingdom uh, is in chaos, disorder, and our government's going through that as well. It's a reminder, though, that while we depend on politicians, and I'm a heavy believer in our voting system, I uh, absolutely believe in that and believe in that America is the greatest nation on earth, always has been, we also remember that politicians are people, and people are sinners in need of a Savior. We also remember that tyrants and dictators around the world are people who are sinners, trying to exert their own power over the rest of the world. We remember that there is but one true God. And when we are grateful to him, it's because we remember who he is and we acknowledge who he is. As Christians, we need that unique perspective. That unique perspective Christians have is that we remember who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. You know the story of the first Thanksgiving, 1620, the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock, the Plymouth Settlement was founded. William Bradford became their second governor, uh, and then he led the Plymouth colonies 
for the remainder of his time till about a year or two before he passed away. In 1657, Bradford became ill and in May uh, of that next year was on his deathbed. Cotton Mather, who was a Congregationalist uh, uh, pastor at the time and wrote a lot of history of the time, recorded what was happening in Bradford's life. And there was so much Bradford could have said as he knew that he was nearing death. There was so much he could have said, so much he had to be thankful for. He could have reflected on that first Thanksgiving. Uh, he could have reflected on their relationship forged with Native Americans. He could have reflected on so much that had been happening. He could have reflected on God's great grace to him as his first wife died when she drowned on the way over to the Plymouth Colonies. There's so much he could have reflected on. And all of that was captured in Bradford's image of who God was and the overwhelming gratitude that he expressed even on his deathbed. Cotton Mather would write about it this way. He said, The God of heaven so filled Bradford's mind with ineffable consolations that he seemed a little short of the Apostle Paul, wrapped up unto the unutterable entertainments of paradise. In other words, he was captured by heaven, not by earth. As he lay on his deathbed, Bradford knew that he was going to go home to be with his Lord very soon. Mather wrote also, the morning before he passed away, people gathered around him on his bed, and Mather said, the good spirit of God gave him a pledge of happiness in another world and the first fruits of his eternal glory. And the next day, Bradford passed away. Perspective. Perspective that it's all about God and the goodness of God and who God is. We want to recapture that for a few minutes this morning because if we have true gratitude, if we're expressing thanksgiving and gratitude to God, it's because we understand who he is and what he has done for us in Christ. Last week, we finished a message series in the book of Hebrews, but we're not finished with the book of Hebrews. So pick up your Bible and find Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Hold your place there for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. The passage we're going to read is the, is the book of Hebrews, the writer closing out what's actually a lengthy sermon. The book of Hebrews is in reality a sermon and a letter uh, packaged together for the people of God and for Christians to understand how Jesus Christ fulfilled all things and anticipated through the Old Testament. And in the passage we're going to read, he calls to mind an experience of the people of God uh, as they wandered in the wilderness and as they prepared uh, to go into the promised land as recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. And they learned the power of God that when he showed up, he was nothing to be trifled with. Uh, the Bible records Moses warning them and even Moses experiencing the terrifying presence of God. The earth would shake, creation itself would shake when God would show up in flames of fire, when God show up in his presence, and they learned that God was a holy and righteous God. And when he looked on them, he could give them his grace, and he forged a covenant with them, but it was not because they deserved it, it was because of his nature, his kindness, and his grace. As we sang just a few minutes ago, he is both great and mighty, and he is kind to us. And 
Moses reminded them of that, that God was not to be trifled with. And we are grateful to God because of his nature, because of his goodness toward us. And we remember that God does not permit sin into his presence. And when he comes to us in graciousness and kindness, that's his choice. It's not because we deserve it, but because of who he is. So with that backdrop, the writer to the book of Hebrews reminds the people of God that now in Christ, they can be most grateful of all. Listen to what he says. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. We're going to read just a couple of verses. The Bible says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. Let us be thankful, he says. The, uh, the contrast is, rather than be fearful before God, let us be thankful. We know that God is a consuming fire. We know that he is a powerful God. We know that he will not let sin into his presence. But we can be grateful, not fearful because he is our God and he has shown grace and kindness to us gratitude believers listen gratitude is a product of us having a right perspective on God and a right perspective on ourselves gratitude is a product of you having a right perspective on who you are and a right perspective on who God is and what God has done for you in Christ this is a unique statement for Christians most people express some kind of gratitude all the time, right? And, and we, 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 we should do that. We should be grateful for the things, the people, the, uh, the opportunities in our lives. Everyone should be grateful for those things. But in a uniquely Christian perspective, we understand that true gratitude is a product of understanding, fully grasping who God is and who we are and what he's done for us in Christ. Let's go back to these couple of verses for just a minute. And I want us to review uh, our gratitude this morning. Uh, things that you can be grateful for. Reasons that you can be grateful to God from a uniquely Christian point of view. It's not a laundry list of, of all the good things God's done for you. Instead, we're taking a step back and remembering who God is and who we are and what he's done for us in Christ. So look at this with me. Reasons to be grateful to God. The first reason is that God gives you an unshakable kingdom. God gives you an, an unshakable kingdom. Uh, more to the point, as we read it, God is giving you. You are receiving an unshakable kingdom. He says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be grateful. Remember the people of God in the old time in the book of Deuteronomy, the kingdom could be shaken. Creation itself could be shaken. When God himself showed up, creation would shake and quiver at the very presence and the power of God, at the holiness and the righteousness of God. And people trembled along with that. But the writer says, since we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, very literally, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now what's he talking about? Well, first notice, we are receiving it. It's not something you earned. It's not something I earned. What he's talking about is something that we are receiving by the grace of God, by the goodness of God. We are receiving, so therefore let us be thankful. What are we receiving? We are receiving an unshakable kingdom. Uh, when you came to faith in Christ, believer, when you came to faith in Christ, you entered into the kingdom of God. 
You trusted Christ as your Savior. And the Bible describes that in a variety of ways. You became a child of God. You became an heir to the things of God. And you stepped into, you accepted, you received the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And you became a part of God's spiritual kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. It's a permanent kingdom. It's an absolute kingdom. Therefore, it is an unshakable kingdom. You are a citizen of the only unshakable, unchangeable, immutable kingdom that's ever existed. God's eternal kingdom in Jesus Christ. Every kingdom on planet earth and all of creation can be destroyed. Much of it will be destroyed. Governments will come and go. Politicians will come and go. Kingdoms will come and go. Wars will come and go. Things change on planet earth. But the kingdom of God in which you are a citizen because of Christ is unshakable unchanging. There is nothing happening on planet earth that can shake up the eternal kingdom of God. That belongs to him. And you belong to him because of Christ. Now park on that term again, receiving. It's very specific. And as I noted, it means you didn't earn your spot in God's kingdom. You received it by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. You received it. But notice you are still receiving it. See, when you were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you were saved. That was an event in that moment. But your salvation is also a process unfolding. The Bible calls it being sanctified. It's your process unfolding. And that salvation is unfolding for you. You are receiving the kingdom of God. And the very kingdom of God that Christ has given you and which you are part of is unfolding. For your life. You get to experience him in brand new ways when you trust him and follow him and obey him. You get to participate in the great work of God. And it's unfolding. You're receiving it. Day by day. Week by week. Month by month. And you can be grateful to God for that. If you trusted Christ as your Savior in that moment you were saved and yet you barely experienced all there is to your salvation. At that moment, you entered into the eternal kingdom, the unshakable kingdom of God. And yet, you've barely experienced all that it means to be part of God's kingdom. In 1997, a, a resident of Montana, Leroy Beckman, passed away. And Mr. Beckman was known by his friends as living a very simple life. He wore overalls, Every day, he, wore, he, he drove an old pickup truck. Mr. Beckman lived on his Social Security. He never married, had no children, had no close family, but had a lot of good friends in Montana and was well-loved by everyone. When Mr. Beckman passed away, what he had, his inheritance, went to the state of Montana, but that was intentional. See, Mr. Beckman, who wore simple clothes and overalls and drove an old pickup truck and lived in the same house all his life and never married and lived on a Social Security, left to the state of Montana $3 million. And the purpose of that $3 million was very specific. He flagged that $3 million and told the state of Montana to purchase as much land as they could and turn it into a wildlife refuge. Today it's called the Beckman Wildlife Refuge. But the purpose of it was not just so all the animals could, could live on the wildlife refuge. That was not his intent. 
His intent was so people would have a place to go. They were able to purchase 6,600 acres with this $3 million. Today, that 6,600 acres is a thriving place of peace and quiet, an outdoors oasis for hunters, for fishermen, for people to go and camp, for families to visit, for wildlife to live. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you entered into his kingdom. He had set that aside for you, a place you were not even aware of until you're already part of it. And he paid the price for that. He paid a higher price than Mr. Beckman ever gave to the state of Montana. He paid for your place in his kingdom with his life. And when you trusted him as your Savior, you ended in, entered into that unshakable kingdom. Strange thing about Mr. Beckman's wildlife preserve one day, It'll go away. But the kingdom you are part of will never go away. It's eternal, immutable, unshakable. The very foundations of our government can fail. The kingdom of God will never fall. And that's what you're part of if you trusted Christ. So give thanks to God for that. Give thanks to God this thanksgiving that he gives you. You are receiving from him an unshakable kingdom. Secondly, give thanks to God this Thanksgiving that he gives you an unbelievable opportunity. An unbelievable opportunity. You know what it is? It's to come into his presence and worship the one true God. We take it for granted so much, don't we? And Moses warned the people of God in the book of Deuteronomy, never take this for granted. And so here we have again a reminder of it in the Old Testament that because of Christ, because of Christ, we can come into the presence of God. The writer says, by it, that is our thanksgiving and God's provision, by it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. The term translated serve means worship. It doesn't mean go to the soup kitchen necessarily. It doesn't mean help people out necessarily, although the Bible teaches all those things, and those, in fact, can be an act of worship. But this particular term means to worship God by your actions. See, gratitude is not a feeling. We often think it is, and so our gratitude rises and falls based on how we feel about what's going on in our lives, based on how we feel about our circumstances. But the Bible teaches and reminds believers constantly that gratitude is an action, and you demonstrate that action through worship. If you are truly grateful to God, it will show in the way that you worship. The manner of that worship is that it should be acceptable to God. So whatever you and I do in personal, private, or public worship, corporate, it should be acceptable to God. That's the manner of our worship. The attitude of our worship is reverence, and the outcome of our worship is awe. The attitude of our worship is reverence. Uh, the term translated reverence means fear. Now, sometimes we bump up into, in, bump into verses in the Bible that tell us to fear God. And as Christians, we say, well, I don't need to be afraid of God because he saved me in Christ. I know that he loves me. He's shown me grace. That's true. So a lot of times we say, well, fear then is reverence. And by that, we, we kind of defang the idea of fear. And we say, I, I revere God. I reverence God and worship. But we have to grasp, however, is the Bible doesn't make that distinction. In fact, just the opposite, Jesus himself taught us that God and God alone is the one we should fear. 
And it's a healthy fear. It's not, it's not that we should be afraid of God, that God's going to smite us at any minute. But it's a reminder that God is, that you're not God, I'm not God, He's God. And when we reverence God, our attitude of worship should be reverence toward God. Let's look at the opposite of it. Uh, when we slouch toward God, when we trivialize our worship, when we park here and check our watch, when we sit down in the morning, or we just say, I don't have time to sit down and spend time with God, that is far from reverence. Reverence for God means that we grasp who God is and what He has done for us in Christ. Our gratitude, our thanksgiving, our worship is an expression of the fact that we know a holy and righteous God has chosen to love us in Christ. He despises our sin, but He has chosen to love us, to save us in Christ. So Christ died for our sin. So a holy God would allow us into his presence. The manner we come must be acceptable to him in reverence. And that produces an outcome. It's actually an emotion called awe. Wonder for who God is. We're captivated by him. I want to ask you an honest question. When was the last time your Sunday morning corporate worship or your personal worship at home elicited from you an emotion of awe for who God is. You marveled that He would let you into His presence. You were struck with wonder for who He is and what He'd done for you in Christ. I, I don't think we do that. I think we take it for granted. I think we slouch through life forgetting who God is. But this thing he's done for us in Christ should elicit from us reverence and awe, gratitude beyond expression. We should be overwhelmed so much that one time Sunday morning is not nearly enough to thank our God for what he has done for us. And yet, folks, we complain about coming one time Sunday morning. Gratitude to God is a product of understanding who He is and understanding who you are and grasping what He has done for you in Christ. That's what gratitude comes from. When you come into His presence, come with reverence. Come with reverence. It's okay to say, God, I revere you. God, I fear you. But God, I know you love me and you've given me grace in Christ. Because that takes away that fear. It doesn't change that he's a holy God, but it takes away that fear and reminds you of what he's done for you. Be grateful for that. This Thanksgiving, just thank God that he's receiving you into an eternal, unshakable kingdom. Thank God for this unbelievable opportunity to come into the presence of a holy God and worship him and do it with reverence and with awe for what he's done for you and then last something else to be grateful for be grateful that God gives you unmerited grace of course I've been talking about that the whole time but let's park on it for just a minute because the writer of the Hebrews in verse 29 echoes the words of Moses himself from the book of Deuteronomy when he describes our God as a consuming 
fire. Here in the 21st century, that might be a little difficult for us to grasp. In fact, we might say it's something of an anachronism. It, it belongs in the old days, thinking of God as a consuming fire, but it's here for a purpose. We return to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 4, and I'm just giving you a little snippet of what Moses said. He was reminding the people of God that God was going to do something great for them. God was about to give them something great. They were about to go into the promised land. And he reminded them when they went into the promised land, they'd been wandering in the wilderness for a reason. And they could not trivialize, neglect, or take for granted who God is. And most important of all, he reminded the people of God, don't drag your old idols into the promised land with you. Leave those behind because there is but one God and one God alone. That is who you worship. That is where your gratitude goes. And by the way, folks, that's the sad truth of idol worship of any kind in any era is that we're giving our gratitude, our expectations to something or someone other than God. Remember that when you celebrate celebrities, when you celebrate politicians. Remember that. God and God alone deserves all of our gratitude. Here's what Moses said to the people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you and make an idol for yourselves in the shape of anything he has forbidden you. Verse 24 of Deuteronomy 4, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. In other words, God will not stand for that. He wants his rightful place in your life and in my life. When we think of him as a consuming fire, we're reminded that throughout Scripture, God pictures himself that way. Uh, to the people of God in the Old Testament, a, a pillar of fire. To the, to the church at Pentecost, tongues of fire. Uh, God shows up that way, pictures himself way, that way. Why does he do that? Because it reminds us of his holiness. It reminds us of his power. It reminds us of his righteousness and his purity. Fire burns away the dross of sin. Fire consumes all in its presence. And when we come into the presence of God, we know we are allowed into the presence of a righteous and holy God, not because we deserve it, but because of Christ and what he's done for us. His unmerited grace, his goodness toward us, is not because we're good enough, but because of Christ and what he's done for us. If you're thankful for anything this Thanksgiving, be thankful for the grace of God. I know I am. I get up in the morning and I pray and I think, God, you have so many reasons not to let me into your presence. So many reasons, Father, to be ashamed of me. And yet, God, here I am. And it's all because of Christ. Oh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And I pray, like I hope you do, that I would be overwhelmed with a sense of awe that God has even let me into his presence, that God has let me into this family, this wonderful family of God, that God let me participate in the great work of God in his unshakable kingdom. And remember, every time you participate in the great work of God, you're participating in that unshakable kingdom. I hope that elicits gratitude in your heart and in your actions and in your worship. About two months ago, a farmer in Germany, I'm going to call him Friedrich because I can't pronounce his last name, but Friedrich went out to move his cows from one pasture to another, and he found that the, the herd of cows had adopted another uh, per 
animal into, into the mix. He, he found, with his herd of cows, uh, a wild boar piglet. Moving along, grazing with the cattle. And he speculated a little bit that maybe the piglet had gotten separated from, from its herd, it, the, the other wild boars, and, and there was a river there, and somehow he had crossed the river and couldn't get back, so he had just taken up with the herd of cows. And what was most interesting, though, is the herd of cows had adopted the little piglet. And now the piglet was roaming and, and grazing and feeding and, and sleeping with, with this herd of cows. Now, Friedrich had a, 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 a choice. He could try to get rid of the piglet, or he could accept the piglet. He decided that, well, the cows accepted the piglet, so, so should he. But to do that, he had to notify everybody in his small town not to shoot the piglet. Because the, the hunters were hunting wild boar, and he said, there's a piglet that's taken up residence with the cows. It's okay. He can live among the cows. We've adopted him. We've accepted him. It's all right for the piglet to be there. Don't harm the piglet. It's not very attractive, but think of that story this way. Think of Friedrich as representing God. And God comes to us in Jesus Christ. He adopts us into his family. And then he says to Satan and to sin, don't touch mine. He belongs to me. She belongs to me. And think of the herd of cows. It's a stretch, but think of the herd of cows as well, you and me. The family of God. And each one that comes into the family of God, we adopt them. They come alongside us. We can help them be part of the family of God. And what we have in common with every piglet that makes it over the river and into the family of God is that we know we don't deserve to be here. Because if there's anything in that story that should strike home is that you and I are more like that piglet than we care to admit. We were lost and then we're found. And by the grace of Almighty God, we get to be part of the kingdom of God, the unshakable kingdom of God, and participate in others coming into the kingdom of God as well. You got anything to be grateful for this Thanksgiving? Yeah. That gives me some perspective. I hope it does you as well. Be thankful for all that God's done for you, all that God's given you, all the ways God's worked in your life this year before you reach Thanksgiving. But when you do that, remember who God is and what he's done for you in Christ. Remember his unmerited grace. We didn't deserve to be here. By the grace of God, we get to be here in his presence, worshiping him. Whenever we want, we get to come to Christ and worship the Lord Jesus and our God. If you're a believer in this room, I hope that gives you some perspective. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope it gives you some perspective. Because the only way to be saved in Christ is to acknowledge who God is, who you are, and that he has sent Christ for you. That means when you realize that, to repent of your sin, to say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I am, and I've been playing religious, I've been doing my thing, I've been pretending to worship, but God, I know now who I am, and I need Christ to save me. You repent of your sin, turn away from your old life, trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and the Bible says you will be saved. If you're in this room or at home, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment and give you an opportunity 
to do that, but believers in Christ also. Let God examine your heart, examine your gratitude, examine your worship. And maybe while we're praying together, the Lord shows you that you need to confess to Him that you've made worship about you, not Him. You have forgotten who He is and who you are and what He's done for you in Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment, I pray for each of us, God, those of us who profess Christ as Lord and Savior in this room and at home. Father, I pray, God, you've shown us in our hearts where we stand with you. Maybe there's some in this room that need to ask forgiveness, need to confess that we have made worship about us. We've made gratitude about us, God. We have forgotten who you are and who we are and what you've done for us in Christ. So, God, I pray that we would start fresh with you today for each one who knows that in our hearts, God, and each one that would recommit and confess. God, we want to start over today. I pray for us, Father, we would make that decision, that commitment, that fresh walk of faith, God, as we get ready to depart from this place today. May we be grateful this Thanksgiving for the things that matter most. May we be grateful, God, for who you are and what you've done for us in Christ. Father, there may be one in this room and at home that has never received Jesus as their Savior, never trusted Christ today. With them, I pray this next prayer, God, and I pray in faith they would, they would trust you in faith, God, repent of their sins and turn to Christ today. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am. And I know Jesus came for me. And I believe he died on the cross for me and that he's alive today. So God, I ask you, forgive me of my sins that Christ would come into my life, that he would change me. I repent of those sins, Father, and turn my life toward Christ to live for Jesus for the rest of my life. And Father, may we all be grateful to you for Jesus. It's because of Christ we can be even, even be in this room today. May our gratitude toward our God be overwhelming this Thanksgiving. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray.